0: Thank you, sir. Appreciate Thank it. You. Thank you. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, good morning. The applause is for Jesus. Amen. Yes. Before you're seated, say this with me. I know, God is good. I know God is good. Say it like you mean it. I know God is good. I God is good. And I know His Word is truth. You do believe that? Yes. Well, if you believe that, then you can be seated. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Well, it's very good to be... With you this morning, appreciate you uh, having me. I, I, Mike, I was uh, pastor. I was delighted when I got your email a couple of months ago, uh, asking about me coming out. I, I, uh, like you said, we haven't seen each other in a long, long time. I've certainly heard about you and heard about the church and heard about the television ministry and and uh, and all uh, those kinds of good reports and wonderful things. And and uh, then uh, this in the fall, we got a got an email and and. Uh, and I don't know why I read it, but somehow I ended up reading it. And uh, told my secretary, I said, you know, we need to follow up with that. Those are, those are good people. So I'm, I'm delighted. I'm honored to be here with you today. And I'm excited about the service this morning. And I'm uh, absolutely uh, just thrilled over the service tonight. You know, God doesn't have many Sunday night Christians anymore. He likes them really well. He really likes Sunday night Christians. He, he just doesn't have many of them anymore. So uh, uh, if you guys uh, are... Uh, willing to come out on a Sunday night, uh, there's just no telling what God will do. Amen? Of course, I realize all of you won't. Some of you aren't Sunday night Christians. I got I got that. Don't understand it, but I got it. But uh, if you'll come tonight at, uh, what is it, 6 o'clock? 6 o'clock. Then uh the pastor says you're doing healing school on on Sunday nights. And, you know, that's just kind of my bread and butter. I mean, I like that. I tell you, just just go find some sick people just go find some folks man I tell you what just nothing I like better than praying for sick folks you know just uh, uh, I love praying against cancers I despise that that disease I love praying uh, against tumors I, I I love praying against blind eyes to to open and deaf ears to unstop I, I like all that kind of stuff that's what I cut my teeth on and, and uh, I, I like it now now if you don't and I understand that I know we're in America <clears throat> Paul said he wished you'd lag behind in no good thing. He was talking to Americans when he, when he <laughs> said that. And, and I understand. We, we, you know, I understand. We just, you know, I, I, I don't understand. it. I, I, I experience it, let me say, but I don't understand it. But uh, I remember a number of years ago, numbers of years ago, I was preaching in Visalia here in California, and, uh, and uh, Sunday morning, uh, just as I was closing service Sunday morning, I, uh, I said, now, folks, I'm going to say something to you that you've heard so many thousands of times. I said, you hear it so much, it goes right over your head. Uh, it's just a cliche we hear in church. I, I know you don't get it. I know you don't listen to it. I, I, but, but I'm going to say it one more time. Maybe somebody will really get it. And I said, if, if you'll go out this afternoon and bring in some sick people, God can heal them tonight. And if you don't, it's okay. I'm not going to fuss at you. When you come in here tonight, I'm not going to fuss at you. Pastor's not going to fuss at you. Nobody's going to fuss at you. We'll just, we'll just have a good praise and worship service, and we'll teach you a good, solid word, and, and we'll go home. But if you bring some sick folks, we'll have some miracles. But it's okay if you don't. We're not going to fuss at you. And so, you know, I, I, it just kind of went over their head like typical. But the guy back at the sound booth somehow was awake at that moment, and uh, I, I, I don't know how that happened. I've often wondered if guys in the sound booth were actually going to heaven. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, this guy was awake. And he remembered that he had seen a blind guy downtown the last couple of months. White cane and sunglasses and cup to, to get money and all that kind of stuff. So he went out Sunday afternoon to look for him, didn't find him, went back home went out a second time Sunday afternoon, looked for him, didn't find him, went back home. And before he went to church Sunday night, he went back and looked a third time and found the guy. And Mike brought him to church. Can you believe that? I mean, brought the guy to church. I stopped and got the guy off the street and brought him to church and sat on that section right there. There were several sections in the church, just like here. And he was on the second row, sitting on the end seat, right where that gentleman in the blue shirt sitting. And he sat there the whole time with his white cane and his sunglasses. And when I finished preaching Sunday night, called for a prayer line, they brought him up, and uh, I laid hands on him, and God popped both his eyes open. Just a wonderful, marvelous, marvelous miracle. But, but, but I wasn't the hero of that story. It was the guy back at the sound booth. Had he not, had he not gone out and got the guy, then there's not a chance in the world the guy would have been there that night. Not a chance in the world I'd have prayed for him. Not a chance in the world God would have healed him. I'm not on, right? <clears throat> Right? I mean, had he not gone and done that, then, uh, hey, Chuck and Becky, man, I had not seen you guys in forever. You see Jan and Jim up here? Man, what a deal. Man, these are blasts from the past, man. These are old, old, old friends. Not that you're old, 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 but (laughs) long-time friends, and Dale Winery up here on the second row, my goodness. Anyway, I'm just saying, God loves Sunday night Christians. And some of y'all, uh, uh, you, just, you just can't imagine what it would be like to be a Sunday night Christian and come to the house of God tonight and let God move and do miracles. Amen? But you're invited. You're invited. You're invited. You're invited. Praise the Lord. Well, God's good, isn't he? there's product back at the back I won't take a lot of time to say much about it there's there's books there's uh, my wife's got books and and CDs back there I've got books and CDs back there and and, uh, there's series and and there's uh, audio and there's video there's a five-hour video a five five 60-minute session not five hours at one time although I have preached five hours at one time but but this is five 60-minute sessions on the subject of spiritual authority which we need desperately today uh, answers a lot of questions. It answers lots and lots of questions. It answers questions like why, why bad things happen to good people, and why prayers don't get answered, and why it just it just covers a lot, a lot of territory in five hours. That you can turn it on, turn it off, and, and uh, hush me up when you want to. But uh, it'll it'll bless you. And those are those are they're, they're, all all I can say about mine and Jackie's books and CDs and product is that there's just not any theory back there. There's just not anything that I think might work. It's It's 43, well, starting this year, 44 years of third world missionary evangelism that I know for a fact works. It works all over the world. I've watched it work. We've lived it. Uh, It's still working today. I've watched it work in the jungles. I've watched it work in the villages. I've watched it work in cities. I've watched it work uh, in impoverished places. I've watched it work in sick places. I've watched it work in communist places. I've watched it work around the world. So there's just not any theory back there. It's all all good word that will bless you, that will work for you, that will minister to you. But, you know, we, we sang such wonderful songs this morning. The praise team did such a great job. But, you know, some of the things they were saying, I mean, you just, you just love that. You know, and, and they're saying, when I, when I speak the name of Jesus, mountains move. Do you all believe that? Yeah. No, come on, really. Do you all believe that? Yeah. When, I, when I speak the name of Jesus, mountains move. See, that, that, that's true. We don't live that today. We don't think it's true today, but it really is true. See, when I speak the name of Jesus, then the, the darkness, the chains are loose. I don't know if you've seen chains loose or not, but I, I've watched chains loose. I've watched the darkness flee. I've, I've, I've watched those mountains crumble and move. And we talk a lot about that in that Spiritual Authority series. You know, we, sometimes we Christians say, hey, you know, there's power in the name of Jesus. Well, well is there? Yeah, sometimes. See, there, there's a there's a universal truth that there's power in the name of Jesus, but it has to be a individual truth. See, the name of Jesus by itself really isn't really isn't powerful. It's really not powerful. It's dependent on who's using it, and if they know what they're saying or not. Don't don't throw your Bibles at me. You come go with me to Mexico, and and, and half the male populations named Jesus. The other half's named Joseph, and the women are named Mary. And in any other Catholic nation, including ours, any in any Catholic community, it's going to be Jesus, Joseph, and Mary. And you know that tonight there'll be mamas all over Latin America telling Jesus to come in. Jesus. Come in here and eat your supper. Brush your teeth. Go to bed. Spank your bottom, Jesus. And see, there's no power in that. Neither is there power when you go out here tomorrow and you hear some guy hit his thumb with a hammer accidentally and he says, Jesus Christ. There's no power in that. There's no power in that. But all if you know what you're talking about, if you know the Jesus that you're talking about, then there is power Amen. in the name of Jesus. So I deal with that in that spiritual authority series. Is, is there is there power in the name of Jesus? It, how, what, what's, how, what's the communion all about? Does that really work? You, you know, we stop, we think about taking communion. I mean, some churches take communion every Sunday, every Sunday, every Sunday, every Sunday, every Sunday, all their life, never think a thing in the world about it. But the apostle Paul said, "Just stop and think about this." The apostle Paul said in Corinthians, he said, "When we take communion, if we do it right." Then he said, you won't be sick. You won't be weak. And you won't die prematurely. Now, dear Lord, that's a whole lot different than just. Paul said, he said, he said, for this cause. Now, I reversed it because Paul said it the negative way. He He said, for this cause, many sleep or they die prematurely. He said, many are weak, and many are sickly. Well, if we turn that around and say, well, if we do it right then, because he was talking about not doing it right, if we do it right then, that means the opposite of that is true, that we won't be weak, we won't be sick, and we won't die prematurely. That's worth coming to church for. Can you imagine coming in here with the people of God and under your pastor's spiritual authority and, and taking communion and guaranteeing that you go away here this week and you don't, you don't be sick or weak or die prematurely? That, that's got to be worth something. That's the best insurance policy i ever heard of in my life. But see, there's things all through the church that we've just watered down over the years, you know, laying hands on the sick. Is that, is that, is that what we ought to be doing? Well, there's spiritual authority in that if you do it right. Well, anyway, I don't know about you, but I like the word of God. I'm going to tell you something about your pastor. Uh, as he said, we haven't had a lot of communication in a lot of years, but we've known each other a long time ago, and I know what he preaches. And uh, I'm just telling you, this stuff that he preaches, um, it really does work. Uh, th- this stuff is what I've lived and cut my teeth on and preached all over the world. And uh, I'm, uh, I-, I-, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm absolutely thrilled. And excited about it. Turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 16. Let's get in the Word this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this great church with a great pastor, with a great congregation, with a great God, with a great vision to get the gospel to the world. Father, to be a lighthouse that you've called us to be and to shine the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the nations, to shine the light where the lights dim and name the name of Jesus where it's not been named. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you that the anointing of God falls in this house, that the anointing, Father, I ask you that today and especially tonight when we pray for the sick, Lord, I ask you that the tangible anointing, Oh, the anointing of the Holy Ghost, the anointing of heaven, the anointing of Acts, the anointing that destroys the yoke of bondage. Father, that destroying anointing, that anointing that destroys, destroys cancer, destroys HIV and AIDS, destroys leukemia, destroys lupus, destroys whatever yoke of bondage might be represented in the place. Father, that anointing falls on us and destroys the yoke of bondage. And Father, I thank you that that anointing ministers to us and lifts our head today and speaks to us and grows us and increases us and ministers life to us and is the lifter of our head today in the name of Jesus. Father, I ask you to take us now into the treasure house of the word of God and boast of Jesus. Show us Jesus. Minister Jesus to us today, Father. And that when we leave here, Father, may we say this morning and may we say tonight, Father, may we leave this place and say, Surely the Lord, not Terry Mize, the Lord has spoken to us today. Father, may we leave this place with our head up and our shoulders back, Realizing we're bigger than we thought we were. We're better than we thought we were. And we can do more than we thought we could do. Because we're Christians. We're Christ-like ones. We're imitators of King Jesus. And we're about the master's business. Giving living bread to dying men around the world. And I thank you for it. And give you glory and honor and praise and majesty. Majesty and dominion. In Jesus' holy name. And I thank you in advance. I thank you in advance for that that you'll do this morning, and tonight, in the majestic and holy name of King Jesus, a name heavens never failed to honor, nor hell's never failed to tremble at the name of Jesus Christ the righteous. And everybody said, "Amen." Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but I pray myself happy every now and then. Praise the Lord. Uh, pastor asked me last night. He asked me both both uh, this week on the phone, uh, and and then and then last night at dinner. Uh, he said, Terry, tell tell. I'd like you to tell, he said, do what you want to, follow the Holy Ghost, do what you want to, but he said, I'd like you to tell some your experiences, I'd like you to talk about the mission fields and tell some of your experiences, and, and people want me to do that a lot, it's one of the hardest things I think I probably do, simply because I, I love the Word so much, and I realize there's not going to be any experiences and testimonies without the Word, isn't that right? So I end up preaching the Word and teaching the Word probably more than I should sometimes and, 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 and don't get around to the testimonies but I know your pastor is such a great teacher of the word that I, I, it's really not necessary they, some, some places I go I get concerned if I don't teach them the word they may not get it but, uh, but I know you get it a lot here so I'm going to do my best just to give you a little word and then, and then go right into some things that the pastor wanted me to do so if you see me preaching uh, just give me some, just do this, you know, and i oh, I, oh yeah, I need, to, I need to get off that. I, but, but I need to get you a little bit, I couldn't preach without a little word. i got to get some word in here, is that all right? Because uh, if I didn't have the word, i had been dead a long time ago and there wouldn't be any testimonies. Uh, Jackie and I have lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of testimonies and we're getting more all the time. But it's all because of the word and all because of... Uh, of jesus amen amen uh proverbs chapter chapter 31 i just want to just quickly read you a scripture that and i won't preach there i promise in fact you help me not to preach there because i i, I don't want to preach there that's not even where i want to go this morning it's just something that very dear to my heart and and yet I, get, I tend to get hung there and stuck there so I've, I've determined not to get stuck there and you you help me not to get stuck there but chapter 31 of proverbs uh I think if you haven't heard us preach before, hadn't heard me, or know anything about our ministry, I, I think probably two verses here and in, in probably define uh, what we do and why we've done it for 44 years. Why why I go the places I go and why I've done it since I was 18. I'll be 62 next month. That's 44 years if you're doing the math. And uh, uh, why I eat monkey and dog and cat and rat and. And, and worms and, and, and bugs and why I eat the crazy things I eat and why I sleep the crazy places I sleep and why I do what I do is it, pretty much summed up in these, in these verses. Verse 8 and verse 9 says, Open your mouth for the dumb in the cause for all such as are pointed to destruction. Open your mouth and judge righteously and plead the cause or plead the case of the poor and needy. Now, the NIV says it more in our vernacular today. It says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves speak up for for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly for the rights or excuse me, and defend the rights of the poor and needy. And, and I think, Pastor, if, if the church were about those things today, I think our reputation would be better out in the world. You know, I, I hate it when the church has critics, but the church does have critics. And what I really hate is when I have to agree with the critics. I, it really makes me mad when the critics criticize. And I end up having to say, eh, they're kind of right about that. But if we, if the church were about this, then our critics wouldn't have near as much Ammunition, And that, those are the things that put fire in my bones. They wake me up in the morning. That's why I get out of bed in the morning. That's why I do what I do. Because God said they're appointed to destruction, and we've got to rescue them. We've got to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves and rescue them. And there's one verse in, in, in the New Testament that I'll take you to, and it's James, the first chapter and verse last, verse 27. It says, Pure religion. See, us preachers, and especially as Word of Faith preachers, we, we we like to say we don't have any religion. And I've said it thousands of times myself. I understand what we mean when we say that. You know, we say, hey, I'm not religious. I don't have any religion. I just got a relationship with Jesus that's out of sight. And that's all true, and I understand that. But evidently, God wants us to have some religion. And this is the kind He wants us to have is the pure kind. The pure kind. He says, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, and then he gives us a definition. I love definition, because you don't have to put Greek and Hebrew to it. You just, there it is, it's a definition. God said, here's what it is, that you visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction, and you keep yourself unspotted from the world. So if the church were just taking care speaking up for those that can't speak for themselves, rescuing people from destruction, taking care of widows and orphans, keeping ourselves straight, then uh, we'd just be a lot further down the road. Are you here? Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Did you find Matthew chapter sixteen yet? If you hadn't, it's just look on with your neighbor, it's too late. Matthew chapter sixteen reads like this It says, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I the Son of Man am? So we ask you, staff, what, what are you hearing, guys, down at the synagogue and down at the market and down at the... What, what are you hearing me out and about? Who do the people who say I am? Now, now, Jesus didn't have an identity crisis. It wasn't that he didn't know the answer. He knew who he was. You know, if you'll notice, Jesus always preached with questions, and he always answered questions with questions. It'd do us well to learn to do the same thing sometimes, but he preached with questions, he answered questions with questions, and it wasn't that he didn't know who he was... It's kind of like God in the, in the garden with Adam and Eve. When God came in there and said, Adam Eve, where are you? It's not that he didn't know where they were. Isn't that right? He knew where they were. But he just asked questions to get to a point. And that's what Jesus was doing here. He knew who he was. But he said, and he didn't really care what the answer was because he wasn't going there. He was going somewhere else with this. And so he didn't really care what the people said. He wanted to know what the disciples said. And so they spoke up and answered him and they said, Oh, you know, some say you're John the Baptist and some say you're Elias or Elijah and some say you're Jeremiah or Jeremiah or other of the prophets. And Jesus ignored all that and looked at them with those coals of fire that he had for eyes and he said, But, but whom say ye that I am? Who am I to you? Peter, who am I at your house? James, what can I do in your situation? Thomas? Do you do you do you believe, Judas? Who who am I to you? Wh- what what are my limitations at your house? What what can I do? What what can I do in your life? In your in your family? In your in your health? In your money? What what? Who am I to you? Who do you say that I am? Because see, there's a spiritual law involved here. That whoever you say Jesus is, that's who He'll be to you. Amen. It's a spiritual law. Whoever you say that he is, that's who he'll be to you. Because not all people allow Jesus to do the same things for them. Isn't that right? We could go today and we could go door to door out here and we could knock on people's doors and we could say, hey, excuse me, who is Jesus in your house? And some people would just say, Hey, he's not welcome here. I don't like him. I don't want him. He's not to come in my house. And, and if they do that, he can't come in. Are you here? He's limited by what we say That he can do. Now, if we go to your house, I hope that wouldn't be your response. I hope you'd say. I mean, I got up this morning, like I did yesterday morning, like I will tomorrow morning. I got up this morning. And I said, "Father, you're Jehovah Jireh. You're the Lord that meets all my needs. You're Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth me of every disease. You're Jehovah Shama. You're Jehovah Shalom. You're Jehovah Nisi. You're Jehovah Sitkanu, You're Jehovah Sabah. I mean, you're the you're the Lord of Hose. I mean, you're God. You're you're everybody. You're anybody and everybody. You're the you're the Jesus. You're the line of the tribe of Judah and the rose of the Sharon and the Rock of Ages. And you're the ancient of days and you're the bright and morning star and you're the fairest of ten thousand and you know, you just I just begin to tell him who he is and what he can do. Man he can just help himself at my house. You know, the Bible says God's just looking all over the earth, just looking for a place to show himself strong. And I've told him for many, many, many decades now, just help yourself right here. You just, you just show yourself strong right here. And if you, whenever you show up, when you come back to earth, you just look for me and just help yourself. You know, Jesus said in Luke 18, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith? I said, yeah, you, you come find me. I don't know where I'll be when you get here, but I'll be in in India or Africa or somewhere, but you, you come find me and you'll find some faith where you're going to find faith where I'm at and you can show up and show yourself strong wherever I'm at. Is that the way you feel? And Jesus said, Who am I to you? Who am I at your house? And so Peter finally spoke up and answered the question. He said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. See, there's only one. Amen. Say that with me. The Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood is not revealed that you but my Father which is in heaven. Now, it's up to us in our own lives to declare and to say who Jesus is and what Jesus can do. You know, Proverbs twenty-eight. What is it? 28, 28, 19, what it, it says. Without a vision, what happens? The people perish. Without a vision, the people perish. A better way to translate that, or a better way to say, that, can I come down here because with the cameras and everything, all that. Uh, A better way to translate that would be, without revelation knowledge in an area, you lose out in that area. Isn't that right? Without knowledge, without revelation knowledge in whatever area it is, then you lose out in that area. Without a vision, the people perish. Without revelation knowledge, you lose out in that area. Doesn't mean you're bad people. It just means what you don't know, you can't take advantage of. Isn't that right? Now, you know, this morning we walked out here, and there's musicians up here that, that can make these instruments talk. Make them worship God, because they have revelation knowledge. But now, you, didn't, you wouldn't want to hear me come out here and try to play these instruments. I mean, it'd it sound like two cats fighting. I have zero revelation knowledge, and there is no edification. And I definitely lose out in that area. And yet, I've lived with tribal people in the jungles that... Uh, they wouldn 't know what to do with this microphone they wouldn 't know what to do with the electric light bulb they wouldn 't know what to do with your car keys they wouldn 't know what to do if you put them in your car they wouldn 't know what to do with it but they 're not stupid people it 's just they don 't have revelation knowledge in that area they 've never been exposed, never been trained in that area they can certainly they 've certainly taught me some things in, about living in the jungle that i didn 't know that I'd have, I'd have died if i hadn 't learned what, what they knew the revelation knowledge they had Does that make sense to you and you know uh, we we do that in all of our in all of our daily life. There's just things that you have revelation knowledge of that you can take advantage of, and things that you don't that you don't. But it's the same way in the spirit realm, in the spirit area. There's things that we have revelation knowledge of we can take advantage of that. There's things in the in the, in the word that we don't have revelation knowledge of we don't take advantage of that. You know, we could go to somebody and say, uh, "Dear sister, who do you say Jesus is?" And she might say, "Well, Brother Terry, Jesus is my savior." I'm washed in the blood, I'm, I'm saved, I'm born again, I'm on my way to heaven. When I die, I'm going to spend eternity with, with Jesus. Well, that's wonderful, that's great, that's marvelous, and that's an absolute Bible truth. But then she might say, but you know, I don't know about this baptism in the Holy Spirit business. I don't know about speaking in tongues, I don't know about the gifts, all that stuff y'all talk about. I, I, I don't know about that. I'm not even sure that's right, or I'm not even sure that's God, I, I, I don't know. Well, see, she loses out in that area. It doesn't mean she's bad people, it just means she loses out in that area because she's not been taught the Word of God. You're probably going to the wrong church. Are y'all here? And then somebody else, you say, well, who's Jesus? You say, well, Brother Terry, Jesus is my Savior. I'm born again. I'm washed in the blood. I'm on my way to heaven. And besides that, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is my Holy Ghost baptizer. And just like the Apostle Paul, I can say I speak in tongues more than y'all. But I don't know about this healing stuff. And so they lose out in that area. Then you ask somebody else, you say, well, they say, well, I'm I'm saved, I'm born again, I'm on the way to heaven, I'm also filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, and and also God is Jehovah Rapha, my healer, and none of the diseases of Egypt come on me, and by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. But, I don't know about this prosperity stuff, I don't think y'all ought to talk about money in the church. So they lose out in that area. Whatever area you don't have revelation knowledge in, then you simply lose out in that area. Does that make sense to you? That's why it's important to go to a church like this where the pastor is going to teach you the whole counsel of the Word of God and teach you what God said about everything so we can apply the Word to everything and not lose out in anything. Amen? Amen. Amen. So who is Jesus to you? All your testimonies, all your experiences, all your, all your battles are always going to come back down to who you say Jesus is. And as soon as we walked in this morning, I heard them sing that song. You know, when I, when I say The name of Jesus, mountains move. Chains are loose. Darkness flees. See, that's somebody that knows what. That's somebody that's got some revelation knowledge of the Word of God. Isn't that right? But if we don't watch it, it becomes such a cliche that, oh, yeah, when I speak the name of Jesus, mountains move. They had never seen a mountain move. See? Oh, yeah, darkness flees, and yet they're just embalmed in darkness. See, that stuff ought to work for us. If it's not working for us, there's something wrong. Isn't that right? You know, Brother Kenneth Hagin used to tell us, and I know Mike went to Raymond, and and Brother Hagin was a personal friend of mine, since I was 16 years old, and Brother Hagin used to always say, you know, if you get out here on the freeway and you start to go from, let's say, Los Angeles to San Diego, and, 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 and six days later you're still not there, there's something wrong. You ought to at some point get there. Isn't that Right? So, you know, there ought to be with us Christians, there ought to be a point where we actually get there, where we, we, we really get a hold of what is being taught and, and what the word's telling us that we really do use the name of Jesus. We really do see mountains move. We really do see chains loose. We really do see darkness. We're not just, just spitting off a bunch of cliches, we're not just spitting off a bunch of stuff that we heard somewhere, you know, like, Oh yeah, thou art John the Baptist, oh thou you're Elijah, you're lying and, you know. No, we want we want somebody, we need to know thou art the Christ the Son of the living God. Isn't that right? Amen. You know, Jackie and I in May will have been married 43 years. And uh, uh, 43 years ago, just a few weeks before our wedding, we were wise, wise old people, Beth, at the age of 19, out in West Texas, you know. And and, uh, this little girl came to me a few weeks before our wedding in absolute hysteria. I mean, she was sobbing and crying and just on the verge of hysteria and, 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 you know, you just, you guys, we just don't know what to do with that. I mean, you know, when a woman cries, you don't, you just don't know what to do and then they won't ever tell you why because the universal, and it's not just in America, man, it's around the world. I mean, when a woman cries, you ask her, what's wrong? And her answer is, yeah, (laughs) why do you all do that? Nobody knows. Well, anyway, we're doing marriage seminars. But anyway, ja- ja- Jackie, Jackie came to me just hysterical. And I said, "Baby, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong?" And she said, uh, "She said there, there's two things about me that you don't know. That I've got to tell you before we get married." She said, there's two things that will change your life forever if you marry me. And she said, I've not told you, and I can't stand it anymore. And she said, I, I can't marry you under false pretenses, and it's just, it's just eating me up. And she said, I've just, I, you know, it, it, and she just went on about this. And, and I said, well, well, what is it, man? I thought maybe she was a bank robber or something, you know. <laughs> and uh, I said, "What well, what is it? And she said, well, number one, I can't have children. And she said, uh, if I can't have children, you can't have children. And she said, "All I've ever wanted to be all my life is a mommy, and uh, I can't be a mommy." And she said, "I know you want children. We've talked about it. You want children. You want a family." And she said, "I can't give you a family." And, and she was just hysterical. I mean, just sobbing and crying and carrying on and all this kind of stuff. And she was miserable. And uh, and she said, I, you, you, "I just, I've got to tell you, I've just, I've just got to, I've got to tell you that." And she said, and "Number two, I'll be an invalid in a wheelchair by the time I'm thirty years old." She said, "And I know you're going to be a missionary." And you're going to travel all over the world and tell people about Jesus. And she said, you need to know that by the time you're 30, you're going to have an invalid wife that you're going to have to care for. And uh, both of those, both these things are going to change your life radically and forever. And I, just, I can't marry you without, without talking to you about this, without telling you this stuff. And she was just sobbing and crying and just, it was awful. And I looked at her. Out there in West Texas, standing there and looking at this little girl, just sobbing her heart out, and it made me so mad, Dale. It just made me angry. Not at her. It just made me angry. It affects me just like things like that affect me today. It just makes me mad the devil. And, and I said to her what I've said to millions of people around the world since then in these last four decades. I said, Jackie, who, who said? She said, what? And she's crying. I said, who, who said that to you? Who told you those, those damnable lies? Who, who had the audacity to say to you that you're going to be an invalid in a wheelchair and that you can't have children? Who, who said that to you? Because see, there's a spiritual law involved here that you need to always find out who said. Because when you find out who said, then you know whether they have the spiritual authority to say it or not. Now listen to me. See, a lot of people tell you stuff all the time, and they don't have the right to say it. They don't have the authority to say it. But if you don't watch out, you buy into it because they said it. How many times do people come to you and say, you know what they say, you know what they say, you know, well, you know what they say. No, I don't know what they say. I don't even know who they are. <laughs> I don't care who they are, because it's always going to be a negative thing of what you can't do. I want to know, somebody with authority is going to have to say it to me. Are you here? Yes. And my authority goes pretty high because I go see what God said. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have to override God if you're going to talk to me. Yeah. Are you here? Yeah. And so I said to her, who told you? Who said that to you? And she she stood there looking at me through her tears, you know, and, and she said, well... Everybody. I mean, you know, the doctors have told me ever since I was a little girl all my life. She said, my parents, my my grandparents, my pastors, my my church people. She said, everybody knows it but you. (laughs) And and, and I literally did this. I literally went, thank God. I thought somebody with authority had told you that you couldn't have children. And I thought somebody with authority had told you you'd be an invalid in a wheelchair. Of course, she looked at me like I was absolutely crazy. And uh, I said, I've got really good news for you, girl. I said, God said, you can have children. And I'll never forget the look on her face. I mean, it was somewhere between hope against hope and somewhere between total unbelief. Did this this 19-year-old kid possibly have any idea what he was talking about when people all her life had told her, the opposite. And I said to her then, and I say the same thing today, 43 years later, I said, Jackie, I, I appreciate the medical profession. Thank God for doctors. Thank God, thank God, thank God for doctors and for nurses and for hospitals and for medicine and for medical science. Thank God for it. I mean, I'm absolutely 100% for it. Thank God. I said, but they're not my source. They can only go so far, and they admit that. And I said, I said, but they're not going to tell me something contrary To the Word of God. And I said, thank God for your parents and your grandparents. I love them, but they're not my source. Thank God for your pastor. Thank God for your church. They're not my source. They're not going to tell me something contrary to what the Word of God says. God, God's my source. And I said, and God said, you can have children. And she said, he He did. I said, He absolutely did. I said, God ordered children in the Garden of Eden. The very first spoken words of God, the Creator, to man, the creature, was multiply and be fruitful. And I said, then Deuteronomy 7, verse 13 says, I will multiply thee. And verse 14 said, There'll be neither male nor female barren among you. Psalms 113, verse 9 says, I'll take the barren woman maker to keep house, make her a joyful mother children. Psalms 127, verse 3, children of the heritage of the Lord, the fruit of the womb is his reward. And Psalms 128, verse 3, my wife's a fruitful vine with the sides of my house, my children's olive trees round about my table. I said, You marry me, girl, you'll have all the kids you want. <laughs> Not because of me, but because God said, God says, see, it's going to go back to who do you say Jesus is? I say he's the baby maker. That he's the creator. That babies were his idea. God thought up babies. Man didn't think up babies. Grandparents didn't even think up babies. God thought up babies. They came from his heart. From his love. And you know... You know, Mike, I tell this, and when Jackie and I are doing marriage seminars, I talk about this. I say, you know, know, since God invented babies, I mean, since nobody had ever done it before, since he just came up with the concept, he could have had them born any way he wanted to. He could have had them actually born in the cabbage patch. (laughs) He could. He could. He was God. He could just say, hey, I got an idea. I mean, he could have actually had the stork bring them. Isn't that right? Yep. <laughs> in marriage seminars, I always say God could have had babies born any way He wanted to, so He did. And some of y'all get that in a few hours, but. <laughs> and I said, Jackie, you, you'll have all the children you want because God said it, because God said it. And I said, and furthermore, you won't be an invalid, you won't be in, in a wheelchair. And I started rattling off healing scriptures. Y'all are all familiar with. And and you know we had four children we've got eight grandchildren so far and 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 and, and you hate to tell a lady's age so I won't but she's over 30 <laughs> I mean I'll be 62 next month you know so and, and she's never been an invalid never been in a wheelchair not going not going to be because because God said it See who do you say Jesus is. We need to watch out who we're listening to and what we're saying. I know pastor taught you that ever since he probably had sermon one in this church 26 years ago, 26, all right, 26 years ago. He's been talking to you about words and confession and declarations and, and the importance of faith and how it's all hooked up together. And, and I'm here to tell you, that's all right. That That's all right. That's how I've lived, all. My life. Now, see, I, I knew some things about authority. Talking about that spiritual authority series earlier, I, I knew some things about authority way back when I was a teenager that I didn't even know I knew. You know, I, I didn't know that I knew, Beth. I didn't know I knew those scriptures on babies. I was a 19 year old kid. I'd never done a word study on babies. But I just read this book, and I'd read this book, and I'd read this book, and I'd read this book, and, this book, and I loved this book, and I'd loved this book. And so, whenever the whenever the pressure came, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, what? The mouth speaks. So whenever I need some baby scriptures, then here they came. And here they were. And and you know, as a a 19-year-old kid, I I understood that there was an authority situation. I didn't understand all about it, but I knew there was some kind of an an authority situation going on here because uh, we have the authority to override all those kind of things. Are you here? And so, you know... Jackie, of course, wrote a book called Supernatural Childbirth, and her books and tapes and stuff have gone all over, all over the world. It's very rare I go anywhere. That I don't have ladies come up to me and say, Oh, Brother Terry, we had babies of that book, and we had you know, we had twins of that book, and we've got this, and here's Jackie's babies, and here's this, and here's that. had a lady stop me at Rick Renner's church this last year. I was preaching for Rick and Denise in, in Moscow. Ladies lady stopped me and said, Oh, Brother Terry, so I had twins with Sister Jackie's book. And I said, Oh, that's so great. I said, I'm glad you, glad you were able to get it all the way over here, and, 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 and obviously you speak English you know, and, and so you, you got a copy. She said, no, 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 I've got the Russian copy. And I said, well, we don't have it in Russian. She said, yes, you do. <laughs> I said, no, no, we don't. She said, yes, you do. I said, no, we, we, don't. we, don't, we don't. We've never translated into, into Russian. We don't, we don't have it in Russian. And she said, yes, you do. She said, I've had twins with that book in Russian. And so that night she brought the book to me and showed me in Russian that somebody had taken and translated and published. Jackie Myers, Supernatural Childbirth. In Russian, and so you know, I, I I find out I don't know it all, and uh, you find out people get the word and just just share it and share it and and do kind of thing things with it. But thank God, thank God for the word. Thank God for the word. Who do you say that Jesus is? Who Who is Jesus? to you. Who is Jesus in your situation? Who's Jesus in your house? Who is he in your in your finances? You know this 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 financial quote downturn that the, the world's been in it's not just America. It's, it's the world. It's the as I travel the world I tell you that you know I don't know if you realize this or not, but the world's in a mess. And the earth is groaning. And there's been more natural disasters and more crazy things going on around the world and it's interesting just sit and watch what's happening and what's going on and this is the prime time for Christians to be blessed because as the world gets in fear and they are in fear and I don't blame them as the world gets in fear then they're going to lose everything and as they lose it you ought to pick it up and the only reason that won't work is if you're in fear too and I I hate to admit that a lot of the church has been in fear too but we're going to have to get out of fear and get in faith we're going to have to get out of fear and get in faith. Because these guys that wrote the Bible really knew what they were talking about. These these are the days Jesus was talking about. These are the days that that Paul was talking about. When he wrote to Timothy and said, Son, perilous times are coming. Isn't that right? Aren't you all the faith people? Aren't you all the word people? Yes. Aren't you all the prosperity people and the healing people and all that? Aren't you all the same people that, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago when Brother Copeland said, bless God, I don't care, he'd kick his legs and I don't care if gasoline goes to $5 a gallon, we'll still have it. And y'all were saying, yeah, yeah, amen, praise the Lord. And then it went to $3 a gallon and we went to crying. <laughs> I was listening to an old tape of brother of John Osteen's the other day, Jan, and and. Uh, Brother Osteen was preaching at a camp meeting, and he said, I tell you, my, 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 I don't care, I don't care if a loaf of bread goes to a dollar a loaf. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, Brother John, it did. <laughs> and we still got bread. Isn't that right? Faith still works. I remember when Gloria and Kenneth, the brother and sister Copeland, went through one of the worst, worst, worst battles they'd ever gone through in their life. Just a battle that threatened to put them out of the ministry and out of just a bad situation. They were going through a big financial crisis and so on and so forth. And, uh, and they, they got on it and whipped it and won, came out the other side. And Gloria called me at home one night, years ago. She called me at home, picked up the phone. She said, Terry, it's Gloria. And I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, I just want you and Jackie to know that, that faith still works, <laughs> but you still have to work faith. And I've never forgotten that statement. Of, yeah, faith still works, but you do have to still work faith. Isn't that right? Faith does work, but it, but you do have to work it. You do have to work it. You know, in in 1974, let me tell you this before I ran out of time here. And Pastor wanted me to share some experiences and so far. I've only got one, but uh, let me. Uh, back in 1974, Jackie and I were living in in Mexico, living in Guadalajara as Mex- as, as uh, missionaries. And she had just given birth to our second baby that the doctor said we couldn't have and, uh, and and he weighed 10 pounds and she had him in 20 minutes with no anesthetic no stitches no pain and no problems and all that and because uh, we found some other scriptures in the bible but anyway um when she had him then a few days after that and she was you know ready and going home and everything was good and her mother had come down to stay with her so i had to run up to the states to texas to pick up an organ and a pa system that that somebody had bought for our, for our ministry. And so uh, I left and drove from Guadalajara to Houston, and it's a thousand miles one way just to the, just to the border, and, uh, and then on up to Houston and picked up this organ and PA system and brought that back to Mexico, which is another testimony all in itself. It's illegal to bring that stuff into Mexico, and so that's a long story that I won't even get into, but I did it. I got it through. I went to five different border crossings and threatened to call fire down from heaven on the border guards, but I did get it, I did get it through. and. Uh, and so I, I got in late, 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 about midnight, to a little town. That's a big city now, but a little town back then called Sacatecas, the state of Sacatecas, and the capital city of Sacatecas. And, and I spent the night there and got up early the next morning, gassed my car up, and that only left me with two dollars. to spent everything I had in, in the states, bringing stuff back to Jackie and the babies and stuff. And so, so I gassed up and, and uh, grabbed a tape by Kenneth Copeland on the integrity of the Word of God and stuck it in tape player and. And so Kenneth started preaching, and I got on the highway, and I'm headed to Guadalajara. I'm headed to home to see my wife and babies. And just as I got on the outskirts of town, just as I got out of Socatecas onto the highway to go to Guad, uh, there was a man standing by the side of the road hitchhiking. And so I stopped and picked him up. I just thought, well, you know, I'm down here to win souls, and here's a guy I can, I can, I can witness to him. And so I stopped and picked him up. He got in the car, and we took off down the highway. And, and I'm 24 years old, and uh, Kenneth's preaching. And I'm driving about 80, 85 miles an hour, you know, and I'm just, I'm just thinking in Spanish. I've got a witness to him in Spanish. So I'm, I'm just sitting there just driving and thinking in Spanish what I'm going to say. And so I turned to say something to him, and when I did, he reached in his coat and pulled out a pistol. And he cocked the hammer on the pistol, and he reached over, and he just jammed it hard into my ribs and reached up and caught me by the collar like this. And so I'm driving the car, and he's got my collar pulled over like this and got this gun in my ribs like this. And he screamed at me and said, I'm going to kill you, only in Spanish. Te voy a matar. And... Uh, it just made me mad. <laughs> the things make me mad. I don't know about you, but things make me mad. Isn't that right? And, uh, and I said to him, I'm a man of God, and I've got authority over you in the name of Jesus. You can't kill me. Well, that didn't make any sense to him. So he poked me at that gun again. He yanked on my collar again. And he said, I said, I'm going to kill you. And I said to him, and I said, I'm a man of God, and I've got authority over you in the name of Jesus, and you can't kill me. Well, now, we're going down the road about 85 miles an hour. And Kenneth, Kenneth's preaching, and I just let him preach. I figure if it was ever, ever a good time for him to preach, that's probably it. So he's just preaching along. And, and, and everything I said to this man, he didn't get it or understand it because the Bible says a carnal mind is at enmity or is an enemy against God. The, the world doesn't understand the Word of God, and you, you need to get that. People today don't get that, but you need to understand that you you are a different breed of people, and you speak a different language, you think a different thing, you, you're citizens of a different place, and you're telling people out in the world about the word of God, they just don't get it that 's why it's crazy for the world to t- the church to start taking her dirty laundry to the news media because they just don't get it. If you think Diane Sawyer and you think, you know, Katie Couric and you think ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, CNN, or anybody else is going to understand what you're talking about, they're not going to get it. Are y'all here? You just talk different. You know, if if one of y'all came to me after service and said, you know, Brother Terry, I was praying this last week and the Spirit of God spoke to me and told me such and such. I wouldn't think anything about that. I just think that's normal. But now if you go down to the banker tomorrow... And you say, you know, I was praying this week and God spoke to me and told me Now you know, it's not going to have the same effect. Unless he's a spirit-filled Christian and understands something about that. And then, then odds are he's still not going to get it. Are, are you hearing what I'm talking to you about? Because we're going to have to be spiritually alive to discern spiritual things. And so everything I said to this man was, was from the Word of God. Because the jo- Joshua 1.8 says, don't talk to anybody about anything else but the Word. Says it like this, let not this book of the law depart from out of your mouth. Don't even think about your mouth with the word. Thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Thou mayest deserve to do according to all that's written therein, for then you'll make your way prosperous, then you'll make have good success. So I didn't talk to him about sports, religion, weather, politics. I didn't talk to him about any of that kind of stuff. I just told him what the word said, which he didn't get. Because he was had been in prison for years, and he had gotten hold of this gun, and so he thought he was, you know, going to kill me and get away and all that kind of stuff but he didn't reckon on the word of God so everything I said to him made no sense which just angered him just made him, made him mad which is fine because I was mad too we were both mad and I didn't have a clue what to do. I'm 24 years old. I didn't know what to do. I just knew you just keep handling this thing the way you're supposed to handle it. You just keep handling this thing. Terry, you use the blood and use the word and use the name and use the covenant, and then use the blood and use the name and use the word and use the covenant, and then go back and use the blood and the name and the word, and just keep on doing that till you win. Isn't that right? And so that's what I was doing. I just said him what the Word said, then what the Word said. I rebuked him in English and Spanish and tongues. And I told him, I told him what the Word said, and I told me what the Word said, and I told God what the Word said, and I told the devil what the Word said, and then I started over again. And Kenneth's preaching, and I'm driving, and, and, and this guy's just getting more frustrated. And, and so finally he yanked on my collar and put me in that gun, and he said, what's the matter with you? Aren't you scared? ¿No tienes miedo? And I said, no, I'm not scared. I said, all oh, you've got a loaded gun. I've got the name of Jesus. I win. Well, that didn't, that didn't make any sense to him whatsoever. It just was frustrating to him. And I, and I get that. I understand that. I don't have any pity for it, but I understand it. And so everything I said just affected him the same way. And everything he said affected me the same way. And so, I'm, and so finally, I, you know, I said to the Lord, I said, Father, hmm. I said out loud in English, Father, hmm. Jesus said in Luke ten nineteen 19 that he gave me authority over all, A-double-L, all the power of the enemy, and nothing, I don't know why I did it, but I spelled it for God, nothing, N-O-T-H-I-N-G, no thing, shall by any means hurt me. And I said, that means this man, his gun, his bullets, cannot hurt me, so if he pulls the trigger, you must, M-U-S-T, must do something with the bullets for your word's sake, for your covenant's sake, for you're the faithful God that keepeth covenant. Now, see, I didn't tell God, you got to do this for my sake. I didn't tell God, hey, I'm a missionary. Hey, i got a wife and brand new babies. You know, I, hey, hey you've got to help me. Hey, I've given my life for you, blah, blah, blah. I didn't tell God all that stuff. See, see if we don't watch out and we pray, we tell God all that stuff to impress him and all that stuff to get leverage against him and all that stuff. To, you know. No, you just tell him what the Word said because he knows all that stuff. I mean, me telling him I'm a missionary, ain't going to cut any eyes. Tell him i got a wife and two babies, one of them is just 10 days old. That's not going to do any good. But he, he moves by his word. He's, he responds to his word. Isn't that right? He's moved by faith. And I said, so you must do something with the bullets. If he, if he pulls the trigger, you must, for your covenant's sake, for you're the faithful God that keepeth covenant. And I believe that with all my heart. I believed it then. I believe it now. And so this thing was just getting worse by the minute. And, he, and I had some microphones laying in the seat beside me. And, he, uh, and he, he reached down and picked one of them up. And I said, put that down. It belongs to God. I said, everything in this car belongs to God, and the car belongs to God, and I belong to God, and you can't have any of it. Well, that made him mad. Everything I said made him mad. And so this just kept going on. And he'd say something, I'd say something, and it, it just back it. And, and every now and then, I mean, I'm, I'm watching my time here because I need to quit. But, but every now and then, you know how your brain gets in a crisis situation? You just think all kind of dumb things. And my brain thought about every movie I'd ever seen, thought about every television show I'd ever seen. I thought about doing all kind of crazy stuff and slamming on the brakes and pulling off the road. I mean, I just thought about all kind of stuff, you know. And... Uh, and when I do that, I just reach up with my left hand. I'm driving, and I just reach up and grab my ear, and I say, Terry, shut your head down. You're not a head person. You're a spirit person. You handle this in the spirit, and you'll win. You got that, boy? Yes, sir, I got that. I can do that. You know, I, I don't know about y'all, but I talk to myself. In fact, this ear is probably longer than the other one. I've... <laughs> oh, I remember when I first learned to fly an airplane way back in the old days. You know, there's a few times I'd say, Terry, fly this thing or die, boy. You better, you better get, you better get your act together and get this thing on the ground. You know, David did that, didn't he? David said, soul, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that's within me, and his soul didn't want to, and he said, you do it, you do it anyway. So I don't know about you, but I talk to myself a lot. And so I was talking to myself during that situation, and, uh, finally to make a long story, let me get to the, the the crux of the matter here finally he just said pull off the road get off the road he just couldn't stand anymore so i pulled off the road into the into a cornfield on the right hand side of the road and he said get out of the car and so i got out on my side and he got out on his side and we came around the front and i just leaned up against the hood of my car and had my arms folded like this and i'm praying in tongues so i don't know what to do you know i'm just praying in tongues trying to hear from god and uh, and so he walked up close to me. He said, give me your money. Give me your sunglasses and your jewelry and your, your money and all your stuff. I only had a couple of dollars, but I gave him my, my jewelry and my sunglasses and everything, whatever. And, uh, and, and he walked up close to me, and when he did, I just stuck my finger right up in his face. And I said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. of Nazareth." And when I did, he hit me with that gun. I mean, he hit me hard right between the eyes. And, and, and knocked me back over my over my car, and he put the gun down on my forehead and had the hammer cocked and his finger on the trigger, and he's screaming at me, and he said, shut up. If you say one more word, I'll kill you. And I just, I just rose up off the, t- off the front of my car and stuck my finger back in his face, past his gun like this, and I said, I said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and you can't kill me, and you can't hurt me in any way. And when I did that, he just jumped backwards a couple of steps. We were just nose to nose, but, but he jumped backwards. So we're about as far as I am from you. And, and he just lowered the gun and shot at me five times at center mass, five times, uh, point-blank range. And the bullets didn't hit me. Now, I don't know how God did that. I don't even care how God did that. In all these years since, I've never, 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 never cared. And I've heard lots of preachers tell this story. I mean, lots and lots and lots of people tell this story and have written it in their books and stuff. A lot of people know the story and don't even know it's me. They say, oh, this missionary down in Mexico. Yeah, it was me. But, uh, uh, you know, Brother Copeland's told it over the years. He said, well, it's because Terry loved the guy and, and, and wanted to get him saved. And Charles Capps tells it. When Charlie tells it, he says, the, the angels deflected the bullets. That sounds good to me. And Jerry Sabell tells it. He says, it's the shield of faith that deflected the bullets. That sounds good to me. And, you know, and Brother Osteen, John Osteen, uh, Joel's daddy, the original house of Osteen, not the current house of Osteen, but uh, uh, John Osteen wrote it in a little book years ago called Believer's Number One Need, which is righteousness. And he said because Terry was in right standing with God. And, and, and probably, probably out of all those things that were that were mentioned, and I've always thought all of them had an effect, all of them, you know, had an effect. But uh, But, you know, back down the road, I had said... Father, if he pulls the trigger, you must, you must do something with the bullets for your covenant's sake. For he cannot hurt me. Your word says he can't. Jesus said that he gave me authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing, you know, T-H-I-N-G, no thing shall by any means hurt me. So, therefore, his gun, his bullets cannot hurt me. See, it's who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say? What are you going to say in the situation you're facing right now or in the situation you face next week or next month or next year, you're going to have to say something about it. Am I not on again? I say you're, you're going to have to say something about it. You're going to have to actually speak and actually declare what the Word of God says on the situation. But those mountains will still move. That darkness will still flee. Those chains will still be loose. But it's going to take you standing in authority, in power, in dominion, and using that name and using that word like it's real yeah. it's not a magic formula it's not a hocus pocus it's not a It's not. A, oh we just say Jesus and it works no I mean you're going to have to get in there and use that thing like a weapon and a tool and, and I tell you you're going to have to get up there in the in devil's face in the name of Jesus and, and cause that stuff to come to pass but it'll work for you yeah. it'll work for you it'll work for you you know probably of all the people that made all the statements about that story over all the years Pastor told me to shoot for eleven and make it by eleven fifteen. It's eleven o five. Are y'all still with me? All right. Probably of all the people, I, I think probably Brother Osteen, John Osteen, probably had it more right than anybody when he talked about righteousness or our right standing. And. And I hesitate even getting into this with just this kind of time. And so I I don't want to, I never want to make a mess. pastor has to clean up after I leave. Uh, But, you know, I'm a pastor's friend. I believe in the church and the pastor. So I never want to make a mess. But I want to say something to you. Uh, I, I believe with all my heart. 1 John 1, 9 says, If you confess your sins, that God's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from a double all unrighteousness. Are y'all here? Yes. And right now there's a teaching going on around the, around the country and around the world that says, well, First John 1-9 isn't, isn't effective anymore and it wasn't ever written for the church anyway and it doesn't exist, it's not real, and blah, blah, blah. So you never, never, never have to repent. And, and, and that just bothers me so bad because had I not repented of some things, uh, I'd have been dead a long time ago. See, God had been dealing with me for months. And I've only told this, I think, in one church ever in my 40-some-odd years of ministry. I think you're probably the second time I've ever told this. And, uh, but God had been dealing with me for a long time about leaving Mexico and going to many nations. Jackie and I were missionaries in Mexico. We were having miracles on a regular basis. I mean, every week. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. I'm telling you, every week we were having blind eyes open. Every week we were having deaf ears unstopped. Every week we are having cripples walk. Every week we are having salvations. Every week we are having miracles, 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 miracles. Mute speak. I mean, wonderful, wonderful miracles. And God's saying to me, I want you to leave this. I want you to start going to many nations. And I just thought, how can I leave this? How can I do that? How can I do that? I mean, all my life since I was 13 years old, I just wanted to be a missionary. And for a, for a Texas boy, missionary means Mexico, you know. And, and, and so, I mean, that's all the world was. There's Texas and there's Mexico, you know. And so, so since I was 13 years old, since God had spoke to me, you're going to be a missionary. I just thought I'm going to Mexico. I started studying Spanish when I was 13 years old and, and lived for the day I got to go to Mexico. And here I was in Mexico being a missionary and having miracles on a, on a daily basis. Dan, you guys knew us back in those days. And I mean, just miracles and miracles and miracles and miracles. And here God was saying to me over and over, I want you to go back to the States and travel to many nations. And I just, I just couldn't figure out how to do it. it didn't make sense. How, how is that possible? I don't even know any other nation. How am I going to get to any other nation? I'm, I'm having miracles here, you know. And so one day God spoke to me so strong in the summer of 1974. God spoke to my heart so, so, so strong. And he said, son, tone of voice wasn't very nice. He wasn't very happy. He said, son, you're in disobedience. And I can't bless that anymore. He didn't say another word. I stopped what I was doing and drove across Guadalajara to our home. Jackie was out there. She was pregnant expecting our, our second baby. And uh, she, I said, I said darling, come here. We've got to pray. I said, God just spoke to me very plain and not in a very good mood. <laughs> and he said, we're in disobedience. And he can't bless that anymore. And it scared her and rightly so and she said what does that mean? Does that mean God's going to get us? And I said no it means the devil's going to get us and God can't do anything about it because he didn't say I won't bless it anymore he said I can't bless it anymore I said we're walking in favor we're walking in divine protection we're walking in divine blessings we're walking in all this stuff but God says that is all off the table now she said, Oh, my Lord, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? I said, We're going to repent. I said, We're going to get down right here and we're going to repent and make this right and then we'll be good. And so we got down on our knees right there in our bedroom in Guadalajara and, we, and, we, and I said this. I said, Father, I said, You know me. You know my word's good. I said, You know my word's good. You know me. And I said, I give you my word that as soon as this baby's born and she's able to travel and the baby's able to travel, we will leave. And go back to the states and go to many nations, and I said, "Now I'm, I, I repent of being in, in, being out of right standing with you, being out of righteousness with you, being in disobedience to you. I repent. I repent. I'm sorry. For, please forgive me. I put that under the blood, and now because of this prayer, I've confessed to you my sins." You've forgiven me my sins. You've cleansed me from all unrighteousness. Therefore, I'm now righteous. I'm not unrighteous anymore. I'm now in right standing with God. Now you can bless me. Now you can protect me. Now now we're good. And as soon as this is this is able to happen, we will go do what you told us to do. So, in Jesus' name, amen. So now we're cool. Okay? And we're just waiting now for the baby to be born. And then we're going to go back to the stage. Go all over the world, which is what we've done. But, within within... Two months, I picked up that hitchhiker. So of all the things everybody says, well, it was the angels. It probably was. Well, it was shield of faith. Probably was. Well, it was this. Probably was. Well, it was that. Probably was. But I know what it, I know. I know one thing. It really was. I know that I had moved back in right standing with God. And here's my point. Here's my point. Here's why I even brought that up. I think it's a dangerous thing, Pastor, that anybody would tell the church. Not to repent. I think that's dangerous. Had I not repented, then that guy would have done all this business and I would have done all the same stuff. I'd have used the name of Jesus, Beth. I'd have said, you can't kill me. I'd have done all the same stuff. It just wouldn't have worked because I wouldn't have been in right standing with God. So to me, and another, another point, another point. Uh, me and you had, had dinner last night. If you'd accidentally hit my cup of coffee while we were talking, and it spilled on me, wouldn't you just say I'm sorry? Well, sure. Sure. Well, why wouldn't we tell God we're sorry? If I walked over here and stepped on your toe or bumped into you as I walked past, I'd say, oh, "Excuse me, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry." Wouldn't you just do that? And yet we're being taught today: don't tell God you're sorry. Don't repent. Don't repent. Why wouldn't you? Don't you love God? If I did something contrary to the will of God and the word of God and the things of God, the first thing I'd want to do is say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Father. Forgive me. Please forgive I'm sorry. I'd tell you I'm sorry. See? You remember way back in the 70s or maybe the late 60s? I remember seeing it in the 70s. Remember that dumb movie that came out starring Ryan O'Neill and Allie McGraw, Love Story? I mean, that's an iconic cult movie now. But just stop and think about it. What was, what was the mode? Now, now, now Just this is how good advertising is. What was the motto of that movie back in the 70s? <laughs> that's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> Love is never having to say you're sorry. Now, that was stupid when they wrote it. <laughs> it's still stupid today. And when Jackie and I saw it, when it first came out, I said, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. But see, America bought that. The world bought that. And a lot of preachers are buying it. That's dumb, man. That's really, really dumb. You think, you, think, you think as much as I love Jackie that I don't tell her I'm sorry a gazillion times when I do something dumb? Well, that's crazy. Why wouldn't you tell God you're sorry? Don't, don't get caught up in that. I don't care who preaches it to you. Don't get caught up in that. Don't get caught up in that. Because there's preachers preaching today. Oh, don't tell God you're sorry. Don't repent. 1 John 1, 9 is not good. The church shouldn't be doing that. Man, if I hadn't repented to God, that hitchhiker would have shot me dead. My wife would have been a widow in Mexico. My two babies, we have four, but the only two were born then. My two babies would have been without a daddy, and nobody would have known why, and everybody would have blamed it on God. So, oh, look at there That young man, just 24 years old, wife and babies, and in Mexico as missionaries, and I tell you, God took him. Well, it wouldn't have anything to do with God taking me. Does that make sense to you? Yes. I took a little extra time just to say that, but I, it was just in my spirit. I just... I, I, I'm concerned about the church today, and I'm concerned about some, you know, and there's some good people saying some dumb things, and so we we always have to be on the watch out for that. We always have to be on the lookout for that. That that we just need to be quick, be quick to repent. You know, I've always said, always, always, always said the reason David, the Bible says David was a man after God's own heart, but you know, you look at the guy and man, he was just, he just did some dumb stuff. He did everything from being a peeping tom to a to a adulterer, to a murderer, to a liar, to a I mean, David just did some bad stuff. Well, that's not why he was God's after man after God's own heart. He's a man after God's own heart because he was quick to repent. David is always so fast and so quick to repent. And we need to be quick to repent. And don't let somebody come along and tell you that, hey, you don't need to repent anymore. That that's a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous thing. I've got a very dear friend. In Tulsa, Oklahoma, that has had a great church for years and years and years, I mean 4,000 people in the church, finally the church has gone down to nothing now, and now he doesn't even have a church anymore, and, and last time I saw him, he was on TV the other day making, making commercials for Planned Parenthood, but he started preaching what he called the gospel of inclusion, just saying, hey, there is no repentance, Everybody's saved. Because Jesus died on the cross, then automatically everybody's saved. If you're born on the planet, then you're saved. And so there's no need to repent. In fact, now he's preaching that, hey, by the way, there's nothing to repent for because there's no hell. See, those things can take you down a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous path. So I'm saying let's be quick to repent, let's be quick to get back in right standing. And then we can boldly say, Father, I've repented, devil, I've repented of that. You can't hold that against me. I've repented of that. I'm in right standing with God, and I decree and declare the word of God in your face, and it'll work. See, it's always going to come back to who do you say Jesus is? Now I did good the whole service and I had to meddle with you those last ten minutes. I just couldn't I just couldn't help but meddling. Uh, stand up with me. It's eleven fifteen. Y'all come back tonight. Um, Be Sunday night Christians. Come back tonight. Let me minister to you. Let's pray for the sick. Let's let's let God do some things that we can rejoice over. Amen. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you again for such a great church and such a great pastor and his family, Lord, and a great ministry here and great congregation of people that absolutely declare the word of God and believe the word of God and love the word of God. Father, of people that'll, that that believe in the great commission, believe in winning souls, believe in reaching the lost, believe in lifting up those that are downtrodden. Father, that we rescue, we rescue those that are that are marked, are destined for destruction, that we, we lift them, we love them, we, we care about them, we share with them, we minister to them. Thank you for a church of Jesus, Lord, a church of God, right here in this place, that the anointing of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, the blessings of God, Father, flow from this place, and people can come into it as a refuge and come into it because it's a lighthouse shining the light strong and bright and without compromise and father brother osteen used to always tell us that the light that shines the furthest away is the brightest at home so it's a bright strong healthy local church and we thank you for that i pray blessings upon the church blessings on the congregation father i decree and declare in the name of jesus and the office you've called me to that the blessings of god overcome them and overtake them and follow them around that they're blessed in the city, in the field, in the basket, in the store, and I thank you for it, and give you glory and honor and praise. Now, Father, tonight, I'm expecting healings. I'm expecting, I really am, I'm expecting, Father, the healing power of God, the anointing of God, the destroying anointing, that literally destroys cancer. Father, every cancer that comes in the door tonight, I believe you that the anointing of God destroys it. Father, destroys leukemia, destroys lupus, destroys HIV and whatever disease that medical science may have placed a Latin name on, that the anointing tonight, destroy it in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for it. I thank you in advance for what you'll do. Thank you for healings. Thank you for miracles. Thank you for deliverance. Thank you for restoration. Thank you for your blessings. In Jesus' name, we give you glory and honor and praise and majesty and dominion in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Now just shut your eyes for a moment, and Pastor, come on, and let me just, let me just uh, ask you real quickly, if you're here this morning, you're not saved, you're not born again. You don't know in your own heart that if you were to die today, that you'd spend eternity in heaven or not. You know you'll spend eternity somewhere. If you die today, there there is life after death. There's There's only two places you'll go. You'll go to heaven with God for eternity, or you'll go to hell without God for eternity. And you need to know. You need to know. You need to make sure. So if you're here today and you don't know, you say, but I don't know if I died today. I don't, I don't know where I'd spend eternity. Or many, many people have told me over the years, Brother I know I wouldn't go to heaven. I, I know if I died today, I'd go to hell because I'm, there's just some things not right with me and God. There's just something between me and God that I've got to make right. Well, today's the day to do that. Today, the Bible says, today's the day of salvation. Today's the day of salvation. You don't have to put it off. Today, you can know peace today you can you can you can know god today you can absolutely change your life forever so if that's you if you're here this morning that's you then this invitation's for you and then just secondly i just want to say this real quickly i'm not going to make a long invitation i just do want to say this though maybe you you're like the prodigal son the bible tells us the story of the prodigal son we all know it, it says that the son took his living from his father his father gave him his inheritance he went out in the world the bible says he lived in sin spent all that he had and ended up somehow he ended up in the pig pen feeding feeding pigs and eating in the pig pen and one day the bible says he came to himself he woke up thank god we can come to ourselves or wake up and he said what am i doing in the pig pen i'm going back to father's house and so he did. What a wonderful story of redemption that is. He did go back to Father's house, and Father welcomed him in, and, and just a marvelous, wonderful story. But it, maybe that's you. You say, Terry, I, I used to walk with God. I used to know God. I used to, I used to be uh, uh, just tight with God, but somehow I got, somehow I got away, and I, uh, things are not right now, but I, I woke up. I've come to myself and I'm coming back to Father's house I'm done with this I'm coming back to Father's house so if that's you either one of those two situations if that's you if you'll just quickly while everybody else is praying and, and, and heads are bowed and eyes are closed if you'll just lift your hand real quick I'll see it and I'll pray for you and today will be the greatest day of your life you'll be saved gloriously saved anybody at all anybody at all anybody at all and I'm looking at all four sections now I have someone pointing right here thank you thank you Thank you, right here, one hand, thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else at all? One right here, thank you so much. Thank you, one right here, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Terry, that's me. I, need, I just need to make things right. I just need to ma- Here it is, the first, well, I guess it's actually the second Sunday of the year. Here we are at a brand new year, the second Sunday. Oh, thank you right here, I appreciate it. Uh, I just want to start a new year right. What a, that's not, this is a New Year's revolu- resolution, man. This is a New Year's yeah, revolution. Here's a hand again right here. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, you can put your hands down. Anybody want to join them while their hands are down now? Anybody else? You're, you're standing there and your heart's beating kind of fast and you're thinking, I wish I'd have raised my hand. Well, God's talking to you. God's talking to you. Anybody else? Say, Terry, pray for me, pray for me. Include me when you pray. I will to make things right. Here's one. All right, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Right here, thank you, thank you. Praise the Lord, thank you. Praise the Lord! Thank you so much. You can put your hands down. Praise the Lord! Now I can pray for you right where you are. What do you normally do, Pastor? You bring people down or pray for them where they are? The room. Send them To the prayer room. All right, all right. Praise the Lord! Why don't you? Why don't you just? Why don't you just come? I, I really believe in pastors. You know, you, you, your pastor is, is, is your father-like one. So I'm gonna let Pastor pray for you. I told you I'd pray for you. Pastor's gonna pray for you, and I'm gonna pray with him. But uh, I, I believe strongly in the local church. I believe strongly in the office of pastor. And your pastor is a father-like one. He loves you. He's for you. Uh, the church is your family. They love you. They're for you. And so we want the very best for you. So we want to pray for you right now, But then we want to give you some literature and, and make sure you know, you know why we prayed and what we did and so on and so forth. So just thank you. Thank you. Turn pastor on,
1: guys. Okay, if everybody bow your heads and close your eyes. Thank you. Father. Now, just those of you that raised your hand, look up here at me for just a moment. Let me talk to you. We're going to ask you to go to a prayer room where you can be prayed for and minister to and have some materials put in your hand. This gentleman over here to my right and to your left that has his hand raised, he's going to take you to that prayer room. Good. It won't take Good. but just a moment. And so what we're going to ask you to do as we lead the congregation in prayer, we're going to ask you to slip out from where you are and make your way over to this gentleman so he can lead you to that prayer room. So. Okay, everybody understand. Take your belongings, ladies. If you've got your purses, whatever you have with you, take your belongings with you, so you'll make sure everything is secure. Yes. So, as we begin to pray now, feel free to step out from where you are thank and you, head to the prayer room. Yes. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank, thank you for you, these that have raised yes. their hands. Yes. These that have been touched by your thank word, Father. touched by the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Father. These that are responding. Thank you, Father. To the call that you've placed upon their lives to give their hearts to you and to be restored to fellowship. You, in the name of Jesus, yes, Father, we on. thank you that not a one of them will leave this place the same way that they came thank in. You. Yes, thank you. We thank you, Father, thank that you. every one of them will be saved. Yes. We thank you that every one of them will be restored to fellowship simply by their confession of who Jesus is yes. to them. Thank yes. you, Father, for ministering to each and every one of them in the precious and holy name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. 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 Praise, Praise Lord. the Lord. Well, you can take your seats again for just a moment. Wasn't that good? We are. are amen. We want to receive an offering, as we told you earlier in the service that we that we wanted to do. There are offering envelopes in the seat around where you're located. Everything in this offering will go toward uh, our guest minister. Uh, so um, if you want to designate your offering, that's fine. But, if, uh, but just know, even if you don't, everything in this offering will go for him. If, uh, if there's not an offering envelope there around where you're seated, just wave and the ushers will run one over to you real quick and get something to you. Let me, uh, let me share something with you as a pastor while people are filling out the offering envelopes. If you're making out a check, uh, make it out to the church and then we'll just give him one check. Let me share with you why I really wanted Terry to come. Um, God uses him in a lot of miraculous ways. And just like he was talking about how other preachers have taken his story and told what and told why and that kind of stuff, I don't have the answers for why on a lot of things, especially why on things that happen to other people. It's hard enough for me to figure out why things happen to me. But there's something that I know. And that is, there's a difference between being convinced and being bold. There's a lot of times through the teaching of the Word, we've we've taught the Word for 26 years. We've put the Word of God into you. If you've been here for any period of time, you know you're here in the Bible. The Word of God will convince you. Yet even the disciples who had already been involved with Jesus' miracle ministry, even the disciples prayed for boldness. There's a difference between being convinced and being bold. Terry's got a spirit of boldness on him that I don't have. Now, I'm glad you had a chance to hear him, but he's here for me. Because it's something that God's been dealing with me about. Because these are the days when God wants to do exactly what the Bible says he wants to do. These are the days for miracles, these are the days for blind eyes to be opened. That's real easy, and I've done this, bless my heart, forgive me, Lord. Now, after he's talked about repenting, I've got to repent now. But it's been real easy for me to say, well, it's different overseas because people there haven't been indoctrinated in the religious junk that you hear in the States. And, and okay, there's an element of truth to that. There is some stuff that we have to push through that you don't always have to push through in other, other countries, but that's just a cop-out. The name of Jesus is still greater than anything else. How many of you are coming tonight? Okay, if the person next to you does not have their hand right up raised, slap them. In love. I'm expecting great things tonight. I was just kidding about that slapping. Please don't do that. I'm expecting great things tonight. I'm expecting God to do some miracles. We've sowed the seed. We've planted the Word of God for miracles. We've done a lot of things. We've been praying for them. It's time. It's time. It's time to quit saying something's coming, and say something's now. Amen. I believe that's 2012. Let me pray over this offering. We'll pray to dismiss after we're after they receive the offering too. Father, in the precious and holy name of Jesus, we thank you for bringing Brother Terry to us. We thank you for the things that you put in him, the calls that you have you placed upon his life, the faithfulness that he's exhibited over the years. And Father, we thank you. For revealing it to us so that we can participate in some of the same things. We've got our own mission fields, Father. And it's just as important as the mission fields of the world. The power of the name of Jesus is just as necessary for us as it is across the world. Thank you, Father, for the privilege that we have to help him in his ministry work. We ask that you would take this, these seeds that are sown, Father, and multiply them to produce... Many, many, many opportunities for people to hear the Word of God and see the power of God in demonstration. Father, we pray that we receive some of the same spirit of boldness that's on Him. We pray, Father, that there would be a spiritual impartation today in this church. Because we want all of you that there is, Father. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for doing great miraculous, and wonderful things. In the precious and holy name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Go ahead, gentlemen, receive the offering, please.